Why? Because the, the first spirit-filled people thought there was only one way you could get healed. Just get, get in the prayer line, brother. And so they, they missed that. So here's another point about what happened at creation. At creation, there was no secular and there was no spiritual. All of life was lived in one dynamic. You worship God when you spent time in creation. You worship God when you spent time with your family. You worship God. That's another thing. In the Hebrew, and you're also getting Hebraic culture, which is the culture of the kingdom and how they understood it. Worship, avodah. I'm not an expert, but I know this. It means both to worship God in song, but it's also the same word used for that he worked the earth. So work is not a curse unless you're not working in purpose. Because that it could be a curse. that God blessed him and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So I talk about this concept of stewardship. Humanity was given dominion, favor, and authority to subdue and extend the kingdom of God. The word dominion is to, one of the definitions is to possess oneself. God has given you the power now, now, here's the other side of this. This is why this, this is, there's tensions here. Man was created to trust God. Man was created to find everything he needed inside of God. So, you're, so this is why when we, this is how distorted this is. We think it's like really hard. Oh, I'm gonna get my God in my life, you know, remember? And that's how distorted we are and we're thinking outside of God because your greatest freedom is in submission to God. I, I can tell you, I've never regretted saying yes to God. Yeah, I, the only time, I, I, you know, when I begin to struggle with something God's asking me to do or something he's leading me, it's usually because there's self-preservation. I'm trying to take care of myself. Yeah. Dominion also means to subdue, to rule. I love this part, the blessing. You know what the blessing is? First of all, it's the favor of God. You have something on your life, whether you realize it or not, that other people in this world do not have. It is the ability to do everything that God called you to do, regardless of the environment. Also, the blessing is this. It's to release the potential of God. When God blessed, and by the way, it's the first words he heard. When God blessed him, he was saying, all that I am, I'm releasing to you my potential to you, in you, through you to have dominion in the earth. It's also the empowerment to prosper. That's why I say prosperity was God's idea. Part of the reason I think we're such challenged with prosperity is because many times we've even seen it displayed it one-dimensionally. Fruitful producing good results. You also see New Testament equivalents to all this. What does he tell you to do? Jesus told us to do in John 15, bear much fruit. Multiply to become greater and greater. Paul would later pick it up. What would he say? Go from faith to faith and glory to glory. That garden was perfect. That garden, scratch it. Am I doing something wrong? Did I go a long time and the batteries are dying? Is that what's happening? He said to go for it. I didn't think you came on a Friday night for a sermonette. 
<laughs> is on my face? Okay, we good now? Okay. Multiply. Fill means to consecrate. Now catch the New Testament equivalent. Ephesians 4, when Paul writes, he gave gifts to the church. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. For the equipping, no, wait, wait, back up before that. He says, he gave, when he who ascended, descended, what? That he might fill all things. So like, what's what's the church in the kingdom? The church is to be an expression of what the kingdom of God looks like. That's why I told Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What is the foundation here? These are all discipleship clues here. You're made in the image of God. You know, part of being made in the image of God is that's why most people, unless they're traumatized, unless they've had a painful experience as children, they want to be awesome. I think I said this last year. Probably prophesied over thousands of people, hundreds of churches and nations. I've never told anyone go, the Lord would say, be mediocre. (laughs) Pay off the credit card and student loans, but keep that mortgage the rest of your life. instinctively, and we see it even perverted, people know I'm to put, it's a pretty big deal if you're called to take care of the earth. People know they're supposed to be awesome. So we're talking at lunch. Part of the reason people love prophetic words is because we're capturing in eternity what God thought of them. And they go, yes, that's why I was made to live. You can even bring a corrective word, but it's always redemptive. It's always with that hope you can change. Be like, I don't know what God is speaking, because it's always redemptive. Might call you repentance, but it's always redemptive. I don't know if I said this last year, but coming out of the COVID shutdown, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm mandating you to be a prophet of hope. I want to give hope to people. Not fake hope, real hope. And the world picks up on this. You, you, you'll constantly see sometimes even secular people, because they're made in the image of God, they pick up on these concepts that are universally human. When President Obama got elected the first time, what did he say? Hope and change. And people resonated with that. Why? Because it's a human capacity to want that. We don't know what kind of hope and change we want, but where we're at, we're for that. You know? No, it's true. The foundation of our existence was relationship with God. Genesis 3.8. And they walk with God in the cool of the day. What a beautiful thing. Some, that could mean a whole lot of different things as well, but I think that Jesus himself actually came to that garden and walked with And it had a sound to it. And so they were to govern the world by the information he gave them. Senses. Revelation knowledge. 
that was always supposed to be progressive. The word of God to them. How do you govern the world? How do you relate to the kingdom of God? Take responsibility for yourself. Realize you're supposed to be extraordinary. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. If you don't live your purpose out, the world will miss out on the expression that was supposed to come through you. Someone may do something similar to you or may be called to something similar to you, but only you can do exactly what God called you to do. I'll tell you this, my parents weren't perfect. One of the things they always encouraged me to be was to be an original. Don't try and be like anyone else, just be yourself. Be yourself, work, God, work hard. Dad gave me this statement, it's very biblical. He said, Abner, you can do anything that God called you to do as long as God called you to do. How did Adam learn to govern the earth? He trusted God's word to him. He trusted that word to him. I'll give you a story. It's only 8.14. I'm going to land the plane in a minute. Someone, um, the Lord is uh, delivering you right now of depression, and you'll feel like a hand of heat right on you. Just be free in the name of Jesus. It's a generational thing. And I just sever that from you in Jesus' name. So I was in Switzerland. I don't know if I told this last year. I'm going to tell it again. It's important. It's in Switzerland, maybe first time I was in Switzerland. Second night we were there. And my friend and I are on this exploratory trip. And we're doing this one night with this ministry. We just met the leaders. And I think we had like a snack or something. We're having a service that night. And uh, the worship team is warming up. My friend John Heiss, he's, he's playing with the team. It's going to be a great night. And uh, the, the leader's wife, she's leading team. He's playing the keyboard and they got a few other people and they have a djembe there. I've always liked sounds and drums. So I start messing around with that thing. And uh, they're about to start the meeting. So I thought I'm going to take my place. You know, I'm going to speak that. And I hear the Lord say, I want you to play the drums. No, the drums, I, I don't know what you call it. And I told him, you know, you're, you're not actually saying it. You're saying it in your mind. I said, I don't play the drums. He said, I want you to play the drums. I don't know if you know this, but I don't play the drums. And he told me, and he said this to me. He said, I thought you would do whatever I asked you to do. He always gets me with that one. Fine. So I start playing the drums and singing. It was horrible. No, really. You got to tell the right story. And I'm thinking, this is not good. They're going to have, like, they're going to take me down. I don't know if they're going to let me speak later. He said, I told you to play the drums, not to sing. No, you got to, sometimes you assume things in the journey. And you mess up the equation. So, and it starts rolling, baby. 
I don't know. It's like, the Spirit of the Lord came up. You know, like, it exploded. Presence, I mean, they, this is not exaggerated. They still talk about that meeting today. They still remember how God crashed in that meeting. Now, I got some feet. It's good to have friends. You know, John, I think the Lord set it up that way because my friend who's worship leader, Bible college professor in worship, I said, he goes, I said, John, how'd that go? He goes, that was amazing. I never see you do that. You know, you want to be self-aware. I'm getting aware of lots of things now, now that I'm getting married. I, <laughs> Lord, we started taking some ministry trips together. I, what is this? <laughs> I've discovered a lot of things. I was living, anyway, my bubble world. Very interesting things. The Lord has given her lots of patience for me. He said, that was amazing. And then the girl leading, she's, she goes, that was awesome. I said, I've never done that before. She goes, oh, we thought you do it all the time. That's why we all followed you. So I get back. I remember it was late that night. We're flying out somewhere the next day. Learn from the moment. I said, Lord, what was that all about? He goes, anything I tell you, you can do by faith. You see it play out in Adam's life. How did God create the world? The invisible attributes are clearly seen. The world was out of order. He calls things into order. When we trust, so what's, the, what's, the, what's the, the foundation we want to build in the kingdom of God to relate to God correctly? Number one, submission. That's the foundation. Seek ye first. This is where life gets really fun, really. The challenge is, even with believers, we think putting God first is extreme. You have to ask yourself because there's something beautiful that God wants to do in the coming months and years. Like a lot of people talk about, um, I just want God to come. I mean, what if the glory of God came in here and you were here five nights a week? You might not go to the beach every weekend. Sometimes we think that's radical. And God just calls that the first place. You know, years ago, I had a friend. He's still my friend, but he's an American, Alabama guy. And he'd work with the ministry. If I mentioned it, you know, raising of the dead and things. Then he has his own ministry. And so I want to ask you a question. In person, a million questions. Why do you think you see such significant things In America, it seems like we're not seeing the sort of breakthrough that you're seeing in all the nations. You're working. Oh, it's really simple. He said, the churches we plant, every believer knows that submission to God is the foundation of discipleship. He goes, in America, they try and get people to submit every week. Because they're still stuck on elementary things. So submission to God. 
It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's the most freeing thing everywhere. And here's another aspect of the kingdom that's really important. The kingdom of God was never meant to be understood by a casual seeker. You'll never, it'll, it'll be really frustrating for you. The kingdom of God was like a man who found the field, right? And sold all that he had. He was illustrating truth. Truth about the word too. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed. The seed is always good. It's what you do with the seed of the word of God. It has the potential of God. It's what you do with that. Heaven on earth. You know, one of the descriptions of uh, often you read, I love reading about revival history. One of the constant descriptions you see about different movies, it was like heaven on earth. Why? Because that's the place we're supposed to live on. That's why people are attracted. You've done well tonight. I just have kept talking. No, really. But the common, I don't really, this is not my thing. And I always want to celebrate anything that Jesus does. But I've had leaders tell me, people don't want to sit there for three hours in the service. I said, no, you're wrong. They want to sit for what you're doing for three hours. I was just in Pittsburgh last month and I made a point to go to the church that Catherine Coleman used to fill. But I just felt the Lord. Five, six, seven hours. People would sit there. Why? If you, you want to know what that looks like? If you were late 90s, early 2000s, go to a Benny Hinn crusade. That's what it was like. If you ever went to one of his crusades when he did the, state, the arena crusades, it was like a six-hour worship service. I remember the first time I went at 18 years old to Reynolds Coliseum, I, thought, I was weeping. I said, this is what heaven must look like. Because all you heard about the healings, but really it was just a worship service that healings were the result of. Because people are drawn to that. So submission, stewardship, it's right in front of you. Realizing that as you learn the character of God, you have the privilege of having dominion and authority in the world that you live in. Realizing that there's spiritual strength on the inside of you that actually has the ability to co-labor with God to change the world around you. You don't have to accept every bad thing that happens to you. Well, this must be the will of God. Submission. Trust in a high value for the word of God. High value. We don't always get it right, but God always gets it right. And then risk. Adam had never named animals before. He's got to trust that dominion, that authority that God's given him. And then he speaks God's word. And those animals come into alignment with the will of God. Those animals are activated into what God created them to be. How do we know that? Because when you name something, you define it biblically. 
Submission. Trust in the word of God. And then action. Listen, no one had ever named the animals before. You're actually called to do things that no one's ever done before. And it could be any place that God had called you to be because there is no secular, there is no spiritual. And then we'll add on to this, but we'll land the plane here. Discernment and the ability to discern. And discernment and seeing doesn't mean you'll always, everyone will see like even I see. The great point is someone I just talked about. Reporter once asked Catherine Coleman, have you ever seen Jesus? No, I've never seen him. Great follow-up question. What will you say when you meet him? I'm going to tell him, I did my best. There's a whole supernatural story too of when she left the earth. Power went out. Roses, her favorite flower, fragrance the room. So discernment doesn't necessarily see everything in the unseen realm. It's just discernment is the ability to know what to do with the wisdom of God in the situation that you're in. That's discernment. receive something tonight? If you just receive this word, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. Inside of somebody's right shoulder, the Lord is healing you right now. Right shoulder be healed. Spirit of infirmity be healed. Hey! By the authority God has given me, I just declare the words of Jesus to you. To him who believes, all things are possible. To him who believes, all things are possible. To River City Christian Center that believes all things are possible. And there's a call, says the Lord, and there's an invitation to believe and to trust me as never before, because I want all things to be possible. I want you to dream and I want you to co-labor with me as never before in the purposes of God. I want you to dream of what this region could be like as heaven invades the earth through a people who are seeing from a heavenly place and from a heavenly vision. Whoa. Just keep your hands. I see Jesus himself in this room tonight and his anointing eyes to see. So I bless your eyes to see everything God intended you to see. 
I release in the name of Jesus. Now the angel's pouring oil on some of you. I release in the name of Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I say to you, it has been granted to know the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I say in the name of Jesus that the word of God would come alive to you. I declare that you're a lover of the word of God. You meditate on the law day and night because then he'll make your way prosperous. I declare that areas in your heart in the name of Jesus that are divided now would be one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you with the righteousness of God. I bless you to know and to break free from wrong mindsets tonight in the name of Jesus. I break you free in the name of Jesus from performance. There's about five of you who constantly feel unworthy and I break that off of you now. And I release you to, to receive the favor and the goodness of God. I bless you to know that you're loved unconditionally. I bless you to know that you're favored unconditionally. I bless about six of you who keep thinking about this one mistake you made in your life. I bless you to move beyond that. I bless you to receive forgiveness, that tormenting religious witchcraft thing that keeps reminding you, even in the night, in the name of Jesus, I just, hey, break that off of you. And now I declare over you, you are pressing on to the mark of the high call. I bless your mind with the brilliance of God. I bless you like God blessed Abraham, his man in the earth. I bless you to see from eternal perspectives. I bless you to have encounters with God. I bless you to hear the voice of God. I bless you to embrace process. I bless you to be like a giant killer in the land. And the Lord says he is raising up a house of David's a house of worshipers, a house of overcomers, a house who when they see Goliath, they will say, this is what the Lord will do. This is what the Lord will do. And the Lord says, I'm going to teach you as a corporate people, says the Lord, not to see the in tonight. There's an eagle grace to see and to plow forward in the things of the Lord. And there's a release of the spirit of wisdom and revelation on this house as never before. You will teach truth. You will equip people and you will empower them. You will be a, 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 a healer of families, a healer of generations, and you will be River City Christian Center that what starts in the hearts of men and women and in families and in generations will go to the nations of the earth. Years ago, there was a, a prayer pastor uh, that our church had hired. He's since gone back to Korea. And uh, he would look at you. He said, the mornings belong to the Lord. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I got it. So uh, I, I'm much better in the mornings. Apparently, they call these like the algorithms of your body or something. Some people are night people. I'm not. Uh, I'm only up if I have to be up. So, But I am up early in the morning, so. I enjoy mornings. I uh, want to let you know uh, real quickly about our resource table. 
I did mention last night, it's my 20th year in full-time ministry. Um, God has an incredible sense of humor that um, I'm actually doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, I always thought ministers were very strange people, especially, um, I'm normal, actually, Uh, especially the traveling ones, because the ones that used to come to uh, the, the church that I grew up in, they, they would live in RVs. And I would think, whoever wants to live in an RV, that's wrong. Some people, you want to go camping? No. <laughs> like, it's nice. You're out there with nature. I said, that's why God built hotels. <laughs> you can go and then come back to your hotel room, you know. Do you have Wi-Fi? No, I can't come then, you know. But, um, and a lot of the ones that used to come to my church, they used to, if they had a family, they would dress their kids up all the same, even if they weren't twins. <laughs> They'd make them sing, even if they couldn't sing. That, that's borderline child abuse, in my opinion. So, but, uh, you know, when you, when you just surrender to God, you just discover things that you never thought existed many times. And so uh, really thankful and planning on going at least another 80. So um, I, I'm planning on living a long life because this is the shortest part of my existence. With long life, will he satisfy you? Do you know that, you know that Brother Copeland, I think, is 86 years old and he doesn't dye his hair? People think he does, but he does not. He, look, he looks better than some 50-year-old people I know. So, I, you know, so fly a lot. You sit on a plane next to someone. I go, how old are you? I'm thinking, you know, like, they're like 10 years older. I'm 31. I'm like, Jesus, you should stop drinking. You know, that is not good for your life. Get some sleep or something. Maybe see an essential oils agent or something. <laughs> like, sin does not pay, you know. Forgive a few people. You look a whole lot better, you know. Anyway, it's true, right, you know doesn't pay, you know, anyway, I should probably shouldn't tell all my secrets. I saw someone I hadn't seen in years in college. They said, you look great. And I thought, I can't tell you the same. You know, you should stop whatever you're doing because it's not working. You know, I'm not being, you can change. I'm just saying just the sin stuff doesn't work, you know. Anyway, um, I don't know how I got on that, but um, they put together, they went through uh, our archives and put together uh, six different teachings from over the years. So they call this retro, uh, God of the impossible, confidence in love, spirit of reformation, the Lord's prayer, kingdom of God and faith 101. So it's six DVDs back there. And then uh, we're switching over all of our uh, resources to these little flash drives because nobody's really uh, uses CDs anymore. So any CDs back there are all half off any CD series. And then, uh, my two uh, books are also back there. And we went back and did a curriculum for my first book. So that's available, Creation Reborn. So encourage you. Uh, I really believe it'd be a, a help to you. Uh, one of the things I really enjoy about books is that um, you can grab uh, in a book form something that's probably taken that person years and years to learn. And uh, for me, I read, I read books over and over again. There's several I've just read over just because I, I, I remember you, you like read it and you're like, I need to do this again because I didn't quite digest all this. And uh, I encourage you just as a disciple of Jesus that um, don't change the subject if God hasn't changed the subject. 
And there's things that uh, I'm still listening to some teachings from 10 years ago. Because I remember years ago, Lord said, I was doing a conference with someone. Lord said, I want you to listen to this guy's teaching. And I've listened to it over and over again. There's another series uh, from a few months ago uh, from a mentor of mine. I've been listening to it over and over again because I, I have to, it's not like you ever get it, but I got to, there's things that you hear in there and there's things that as you just put it inside of you, it just becomes a part of who you are. And a, a big part of stewardship is the ability to govern your heart and your heart was not meant to, to, have, to have two different appetites. And meaning that uh, you can listen to the word of God, but then if you fill your heart with way other contrary things, and even sometimes things that we don't even see as overtly sinful, but they all, everything carries an impartation. Yes. Yes. You know, and uh, everybody's being discipled. That's why you saw such a difference even in, you still see a difference in our nation based upon who they're listening to and based upon what information they're feeding themselves with. It, it, it defines their mindset, you know? Um, so, and even when you say truthful, th- this is how powerful your belief system is. If you, if you reveal truth to someone who has been taught a different way over and over again, it's really difficult for them to grasp. They're like, no, that can't be right. You know, like, can't be right. No, no, it's right. You know, so I, I could throw out another different examples, but I, I don't want to go into deliverance session right now. So, um, but, you know, anyway, so let's pray. And uh, this is a really good morning. It really is. Thank you for coming. It's a great weekend. Father, we just thank you. Thank you again, God, for uh, the angel of the Lords that are here. Thank you that you've sent them as ministering spirits. Thank you, Lord, that uh, what gets established in this room will go around the world. We thank you for that, that um, it just doesn't leave because it goes in people's hearts and then it goes everywhere where they go to fulfill that which you've called them to fulfill on the earth. And Lord, I ask that once again, that you fill me with the spirit. You put your words in my mouth. Excuse me. Thank you for bringing me to this place. I ask that you uh, glorify your son. Let all the gifts of the Holy Spirit be in operation. Thank you for filling your people afresh, God. Give people ears to hear and eyes to see. Thank you, Lord, that in the last days, you said there would not be a famine for the word of God, but for the hearing of the word. So I just declare that your people are, are, are hearing your word and it's being sowed on good soil. And we ask again for uh, words from heaven that change the earth. Words from heaven that change earth. Words from heaven change the earth. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, just thank you for even the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit in this room. Even the the moving of your, your presence. You said you'd baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. So thank you for the fire of God. And I thank you, God, that uh, this group of people, uh, River City Christian Center in this part of North Carolina, that you've stationed them here as uh, a kingdom outpost for the purposes of God. And the Lord says that you are in a season and I'm giving you a baton. And uh, it's a baton to build 
and build for future generations. Even right now, the Lord says, I'm giving you divine instructions. I'm giving the leadership team divine instructions to build and to uh, establish things that will live past their generation. And so the Lord says that the foundation has been built in these years and you're entering a new season of building for the next generation. For what I called to establish here and when I called this house to establish and this group of people to be established, I called it to be a generational house. And so the Lord says, I'm going to hold you responsible for building things for the next generation of your children's children. I'm calling you to establish environments and establish ministries that would last the long haul. I'm calling you to have a global vision for the purposes of God. But the Lord says, remember, there is this call to build for future generations, even as David built for future generations. I'm calling you to build for future generations. And I just see this um, really big, it's like a silver, and it's just silver baton, like runners handed to it. It's like right in the middle of the sanctuary. And so the Lord says, always live with the responsibility that you're, you are building a world that you will not live in, but that you'll see from a different place. In Jesus' name. That's a good place to start this morning. Got some water on my iPad. Now it's everywhere. You're saying amen because I got water on my iPad? But <laughs> I want to kind of go back into, I felt from the Lord to go back into what we touched on last night. And obviously, just three sessions, this is a vast subject that we can't touch all of, but Last night, we began to talk about the subject of the kingdom of God. And if you saw just in how the Lord led us last night or led me, that we'll, we would jump from old and new because uh, you'll all, always see an interconnection. Uh, Dick Rubin, who went to be with the Lord, uh, had this phrase that always stuck out to me. He said, when the pattern is right, the glory always comes. And he would talk about the patterns in scripture. And so you'll always see a type and shadow in the old that is played. You'll see it in the old and then it's played out in the new in a very real way. And uh, G, the, the introduction of, of Jesus begins even in the old. So we want to start here again, Matthew 13, 52. <clears throat> I'm reading out of the voice translation. Every scribe and teacher of the law who has become a student of the ways of the kingdom is like the head of a household who brings out some new things and some old things, both out of the storeroom. So uh, we said last night that when time began, God came to establish uh, the kingdom of God, not a religion called Christianity. And we define the kingdom of God as the rule and the reign of God. And we said that the kingdom of God was a creation of God himself. And the kingdom of God in creation expresses the nature of God. And we saw that God created both heaven and earth, and uh, heaven became this, uh, the creation of heaven and earth carried the attributes of God, and the same attributes that were in heaven were on the earth in original creation. 
We also said that since God, since God created the kingdom of God and because the, 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 the kingdom of God was supposed to run the world, that everything that humanity desires does not originate in the earth, but originates with God. So what humanity really desires does not exist in the earth unless it comes through the hearts of men and women on the earth. Amen. And also one of the things that we also mentioned about, uh, or one of the characteristics about heaven is that God is accompanied in heaven with his angels and he executes his commands. You can look that up later in Genesis 21, 17, Genesis 22, 11, Matthew 18, 10. And there's a heavenly tribunal and uh, there is this interconnectedness that God desired between heaven and earth and between what we can see with their natural eyes and what we, we're, we're meant to perceive with the eyes of our heart. And there's always, there, God has always intended there to be this interaction between the seen and the unseen world. One of the ways that this is challenging for us often because we obviously get born again and come into the kingdom of God is that we have been trained to think one-dimensionally. The world system is built on what you can see, feel, and think. And those are not wrong in one dimension. They just don't tell the whole picture. If you, if you are simply constantly moved by what you see, feel, and think, then you will live a very limited life. That's why it's really important to emphasize this. God was never me meant to be understood and experienced simply through your intellect. He's not opposed to your intellect. He gave you a brain. Now, uh, to me, that was one of, uh, and it's easy for me to say because I have, I have, uh, a, I'm a little further down the line in understanding in a sense, because, but may, I, I, the early spirit-filled people, they, they kind of downplayed the intellect. And uh, in fact, one of the, the, the breakthrough things that happened when Oral Roberts God told him to build that university is that uh, he had to get over the bias and the ignorance of most spirit-filled people. And in fact, one of the first uh, marketing lines for Oral Roberts University, because they just thought, you just need the anointing. <laughs> the anointing. And there's a truth to that. There's always a little truth, but sometimes it's not the whole truth. And it doesn't mean that higher education is for everyone. I don't believe everyone needs to go to college. But the point in saying that, there, there was a bias in how they thought, and also there was a, a further bias in the way they viewed the world because they believed that Jesus was coming at any time, and why would you spend your time four years going to college and study? Right. And it robbed a generation of people. I know friends of mine who had passions, and some of them wanted to be uh, college professors and stuff, and the people that mentored them said, don't spend your time on that because Jesus is coming at any time. There's a particular church I know, and it's, 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 a, it's a great place, and they were running out of space in the building that they were in, and this is years ago, maybe 20 years ago, and the elders decided, we don't want to be in a building project if Jesus comes back. They still don't have another building. And so, not saying that you need to build another building, but these sort of mindsets will hinder you often. So, the, 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 uh, the, the first marketing line for Oral Roberts is, Oral Roberts University, come get your learning and keep your burning. You don't realize how far we've come as spirit-filled people. Because someone pioneered that truth in the earth, that it was important to 
to train the mind and train the spirit. But your intellect was never meant to define your experience with God. And that's why some people uh, that when difficulty or challenges come or, or an idea about God that they had, uh, something happens in their life that's contrary to that idea, they can get talked out of the will of God because their connection to God is through their mind, not, their, not a deep-seated revelation of who God is for them. So I don't know how we got on that. But here's how Paul said it, this, this interface between heaven and earth. This is Paul speaking in Ephesians 1, uh, ver- verse 7. In, who, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Ephesians 1, verse 7 having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the full, fullness of time, listen to this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together one in all things in Christ, both of which are in heaven and which are in the earth, in him. So he says part of the reason that Jesus came is he came to connect heaven and earth as one. That's why he, may, he says to us as believers right now, not in a future place, that you are seated in heavenly places. So heaven was this created place where God set up, in a sense, the headquarters of his kingdom, and then he gave man dominion in the earth. And we saw that God desired a family in the earth and he desired, obviously, male and female. And we saw also that everything that um, everything on the earth was given a purpose. And that uh, one of the characteristics we saw that man, uh, you know, we, we know that currency and money is 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 a uh, is a, a human creation. And we we saw that when, as believers or as kingdom people, that we are to work from a place of. Uh, uh, work from a place of purpose, not for money. And that when we work out in our purpose, money will come to us. And that everything in the earth was created for purpose. There's not anything that exists that doesn't have a purpose without God. I also want you to see something else I didn't mention last night. Everything in creation, everything that you see on the earth was created by God. The enemy cannot create. So when you see things, they are simply distortions of what the enemy has done with something that God created. And where the people of God don't take the authority that God has given them in their place of influence, the nations of the earth suffer. Very important. Years ago... um, the heads of Christian universities wrote letters to, uh, excuse me, the, 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 as Christian universities were being established, the head of Hollywood Studios wrote letters to the heads of Christian universities said, please send us your best and your brightest because we would like them, we would like to have them to help us shape movies and different things that were coming out. And again, at the time, the Christian presence thought, 
you know, that's, that's secular, that's ungodly. You know, that uh, when the TV came out, many, especially spirit-filled people, they called that that tool of the devil. Because it was different. I don't say that in a critical way. I don't know what I would have thought about it back then. But they lost an opportunity to use the medium of media to influence the world. And we see how powerful media is right now. Think about how the enemy made a stronghold of that place. He took ownership of that sphere of influence in the world, and then he told believers, you should stay poor. And then he made it really expensive to get onto that mountain. (laughs) Think about it. He's pretty strategic. He's like, okay, I'll take that mountain if you don't want it. I'll influence a whole generation of people through it, and then I'll tell you that you're supposed to be poor, and then I'll, tell the pe- then, then I'll tell half the body of Christ those people trying to get on that medium to spread the gospel are bad because they believe money's, they need money to do it. Right. We got some problems there. We don't think like God. So we saw, here's some, we saw the interaction between Humanity in the kingdom of God. We saw that man was made in the image of God, which simply means he was given the character of God. And from being given the image of God, he was given governing power and stewardship of the earth. And we closed last night by just looking at uh, a, a, a few ways that uh, uh, th- this was supposed to, the interaction between God and humanity and the earth was supposed to uh, uh, operate. We saw, number one, that uh, when man was created, that his, he had a choice, and that choice was, though, but he, he was created with a free choice, but he actually was created to be completely dependent upon God. You, you were created a certain way, but you still have the choice on if you're going to choose God's best for your life. But the most natural state for Adam was to choose to trust God. And we saw that one of the things I remarked on last night was that we see this difference now that often the lens by which we relate to God is like, oh no, if I submit to God, it's really bad. Not realizing that full freedom is in submission to God. And you get to follow God when God asks you to do a new thing or God wants you to accelerate something you're already doing that's stretching and that's difficult. And also, uh, we'll note that. Just because you've never done it before doesn't mean that God didn't ask you to do it. And just because it's really difficult or hard doesn't mean God didn't ask you to do it. Just because it's gonna be time-consuming doesn't mean God didn't ask you to do it. God's asked me to do many things. Like, I don't know if you realize I'm busy working for you. Do you want to kill me? And then I just flipped it. I would pro- I would, what's going to kill me is not doing what he told me to do. That's what's going to kill me. Got to look at it a different way. It's also, truthfully told, the path of a true disciple is a path of inconvenience. It will inconvenience you to get up early to meet somebody. It will inconvenience you to bring another child in your house. It will inconvenience, all these things are not convenient things. The true path of discipleship and the true path of the kingdom is inconvenience. 
our governance has always been built. The governing power that God gave to humanity was based upon the character and the nature of God. And God's given you this choice, even though your, your, um, your, your greatest joy was always in to surrender to God. Adam created in his original state was created to surrender to God in all things. And the beautiful thing about Adam was when he was created, he was never created to meet his own needs. You were never created to meet your own needs. You were never created to take care of yourself. That's good news. So anytime you think of how, what am I going to do? Just go, how can God help me? And what needs to change in my, my mindset to receive what God wants to give me in this season? And a lot of times I found it, uh, it, it takes adjusting it takes releasing things into God's hands. I didn't realize how much of a control freak I was until I started working with God. <laughs> and really, the mindset of control is I don't realize how kind he is and how good he really is in helping me. That's where I miss on. So we saw man's way of relating to God was and we'll go back to this moment here in a minute. Man was created for relationship. I want to go back to that moment here in a minute because, uh, well, I just want to make, repeat these points. Man's primary purpose first began by stewardship. So he said, you know, I don't believe uh, understanding your purpose on the earth is that difficult. We've made it too difficult. I believe, and we'll touch on this here in a minute, but your life will go very well if the primary pursuit of your life is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not, I, and I'm not, I don't mean this to be funny or rude, but praying before your meal is not loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all your mind. That's adding God to your life. God invites you to know him. And God, God's measurement of your relationship with him is determined by you, whether you realize it or not. He whom God has sent speaks the word of God. Then he makes this statement in the, in the gospel of John, for God does not give the spirit by measure. So he's saying, you can, you can know me as deeply as you want. There, there, there are no there, 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 it's not like there's special places for special people. You can know God as much as you want. But your life will go well if you live from that place. If you do those things. Another place is, is, is stewardship and service. I always encourage people who are going through something difficult is find something to serve someone else in the middle of your difficulty. Why? Because it takes you out of focusing completely on your own self and gets you into the heart of God, which is service for other people. Serving, loving, connected to a corporate body. I've never met anyone doing those things who hasn't quite figured out. You might not have it all figured out, but you go, oh, this is the path that I'm on. And then you go on this beautiful thing called process and purpose. Here's the thing that I think that is important for American believers, because often we place so much emphasis on an event or a happening that in God, it is encounter and process, process and encounter, and it's a constant journey and a constant interface. Yes. 
sometimes because we have like this instant sort of thing in our society. And I like some of the instant things, but we got uh, banks that you can drive through. Although my bank is like going to the DMV now. I don't like to go anymore. Fast food. By the way, Americans were notorious in our restaurants. We get food quick. I know when I go out to eat in Europe, it's going to be a three-hour experience. Lord Jesus. They should tip them. It could go quicker. But my point in all that is, it's true. My point in that is often we think everything changes in a moment and certain things can change in a moment. I'm not discounting a moment or a word from God, but it's those, it's, it's moments in God and encounters with God that are supposed to establish you for a lifestyle. And often, even as charismatics, we think like, you know, just come to the altar and just deal, you know, like we, it's often viewed as magic that is not biblical. Like, can you pray for me? I got this issue. I can't, like, I can pray for you, but I can't pray for you for that. You have to practice that. <laughs> there's, there's never been a prayer line for patience because that's something you have to choose every day. So it's important to remember that it's, it's process and encounter, encounter and process shift in thinking. And most of the time, the places of real growth is when you've made a paradigm shift that you've now practiced as a habit. It's not simply just getting a word. It's not simply just, I heard something. It's integrating that into, into how God has created you and the purpose that he's given you, and then living for the long haul. And it, it, I have likened to walking with the Lord. The, the good news about walking with God is that when you receive something and begin to apply it in your life, even if you're, you're, you're stumbling, even though it looks like you're messing up, as long as you keep walking in that direction, as long as you're quick to forgive, it's like working out. You know, uh, you, 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 whatever, you start with five pounds and you're doing that. Oh, it's really hard. And then like maybe a month later, like I can pick up the 10 now. That's what growth like is in God. The important thing is that you say persistent and consistent. Persistent and consistent. And in that process, you might fall down about 20 times, but that's okay too, because then you'll, you'll realize how much you need him. Yeah, people don't talk about that. <laughs> people are like, I really messed up. I said, well, you're, you're still on the right track. Yes, amen. She asked God, for, let's just keep tracking on. Well, I keep messing up. I said, I know he's there for you. Keep going. It was never, this whole concept was never based upon, upon your performance. You just keep tracking. And don't let one mistake define you. Sometimes people are like, oh, I just, I just give up. No, don't give up. One of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life is like, I can't ever go back. I'm here. We're going to keep fighting no matter what. I'm going to live my life on the word of God, on the voice of God. And whenever you miss it, don't base when you missed it on the next thing that God asked you to do. That's a big one. What I mean by that is sometimes people are like, oh, I just, I missed it there. And then, you know, they know God's speaking to them about something. But I don't know, you know, we're making excuses for not obeying God again. 
It's part of the process. God has made provision for your mistakes in the process. Let me say that over here. God has made provision for your mistakes in the process. I'm not saying just, you know, be flippant, but if you just have the sense you're here because you want what God wants for you. These are very real things that happen. These are very real things about walking with God. I get very nervous around people who tell me they don't really struggle with anything. I got asked a question uh, uh, last month or something. Like, How do you stay humble? I was like, well, it's really easy to stay humble when you talk to him every day because you realize how big he is and how small you are and really thankful that he likes you. Not just likes you, he loves you. He's not like putting up with you too. You're the apple of his eye. You are his greatest expression in the earth. That's why, that's why the blood of Jesus is such a wonderful thing. The way he looks at Jesus is the way he looks at you. I remember one time, I was like, well, you know, I really messed that up. I keep messing that up. He goes, I know, but I don't see you that way. I see where you're going. But the other side of that is, be a person who be, one of the signs of maturity is become self-aware said last night, the people who can't recognize they have a problem, those are the people with the real problem. The refusal to admit that there's an issue is the thing that keeps you in bondage. Now, freedom's available, but you actually have to admit that you need freedom for something. Oh, I just have this little anger thing. No, you got a demon as a generational thing. And the beautiful thing about God, he doesn't want you to, to, to just somewhat control it. He wants it out. Gone and out. You never do it again. It's never there. And then the joy is learning to think differently from that place. Because anytime you have a stronghold in your mind, it is affecting the way you view everything. And so the big part is not getting unhinged, is learning how you thought from that place of deficit in your life. It's called renewing the mind. Some of the problem is, is that people are trying to renew your mind without getting rid of the stronghold. So you want to get rid of that thing and then Deconstructing is a real biblical thing. It's deconstructing how my whole life was defined by this deficit. Deconstructing how I always viewed myself as a victim. Deconstructing all these things and now finding the word of God of how God wants me to think in that way. That's a big deal. So man was created to be governed by the word of God, which is the wisdom of God first thing that God speaks to man is the word of God. He gives him wisdom. We were created to be governed by wisdom, but he also gave us our sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. A sanctified heart and a sanctified believer is this, is one that 
this is why he says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. This is really important. The, 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 the believer, you, and this is the really good news. That's why he makes you righteous the moment you come into the kingdom of God. You're righteous, you're pure before him. Now what he wants to teach you is how to live and stay in that righteousness that he's created you to live in. And so now he makes you responsible to begin to govern your heart and your body. And it's your, God is three parts and you are three parts. The goal of God is to have all those parts in you operating as one. You can actually, your body can begin to come into subjection with the will of God. How do you do that? You guard it. You protect it. You actually uh, learn to steward it as well. Exercise is really important. Diet is really important. I'll give you an example. Sometimes when I do multiple sessions, I'll teach in the morning, kind of tired. What do I do? Often, I'll get on a treadmill for 45 minutes, 50 minutes. When I get off that treadmill, I'll take a shower, I'll lay down for 10 minutes, and I feel like I can hear from a whole different place. Why? Because these are all interconnected parts. So your body, this is, this is important, Linda, your body is not bad. Your body is temporal, but it's not bad. That's why the writer of Hebrews would later say, when your senses are fully trained, you can discern both good and evil. What's he saying? He said, I want every part of you to come into alignment with the will of God. And as you protect and as you steward those things, they're all in alignment with me. So these are all different places you can now discern what's taking place in the world around you. You're not led by your senses, but your senses can be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're led by the Spirit, but you're, I, when I, sometimes when I go places, like, whoa, what's going on here? Something not good going on here. But you're being led by your Spirit, but as your body comes into alignment with the Word of God, you are now more an effective tool to discern the unseen world around you and what's taking place to become a greater witness for God. Uh, last week, I was in a certain place, was in this uh, tower and walking past, and I just, little impression. Lord said, go back there and give that word. Oh, so I just go, yeah, it's crying. Why? Not that I've arrived, but you have this sensitivity to the world around you. David said, very interesting, Old Testament, my heart and my flesh cry out for you, the living God. So if you think you're in a fight with yourself, you could probably be living a very difficult life. My flesh, no, it's not your flesh only does what it thinks to do. So your body, your spirit, and your soul, which is actually all right here. This whole concept of here to here, that's, anyway, that's a whole, I don't think it's biblical. The heart is the center of all things. That's why he calls it the hidden man of the heart. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts. So they can all be integrated. That's why this whole concept of health is important. 
They can all be integrated to become a useful tool for the things of the Lord. I know people who were struggling with their weight and different things. And as they just began to put the word of God inside them, they didn't go on a diet. They just went on a diet of the word of God. They go, I just stopped eating as much. Why? Because they began to integrate themselves as God intended them to live right from here. Now, the beautiful thing about life is God presents you with circumstances in your life where he will expose things that you can give a divine exchange for. It's interesting, right? Zacharias is praying one day. He's in the temple and uh, said he was a righteous man. Very fascinating. He's praying and the angel of the Lord comes to him. Again, that interaction between seen and unseen. The angel of the Lord comes to him and goes, and you read that, Luke 1, that's an amazing prophecy he gets. And it says he was praying for the, he was praying for like this manifestation of prophecy. And it said, and he goes, he is so troubled somewhere. There's trauma in there somewhere. He goes, how can this be? And notice, same story. I think the writer of Luke puts it in there on purpose. Mary asked the angel a question. Gabriel must've got all the good assignments. Very similar question. Mary's question was more inquisitive. Apparently, Zacharias's was from a place of deep unbelief. He was so traumatized by something, he couldn't believe what the angel was telling him. So it's also, too, in answered prayer, and what God speaks to us, it exposes traumas in our own heart. He was actually praying for something he didn't have the faith to believe for. That's a fascinating thing right there. Well, don't worry. God is gracious. He tells them you can't talk for another nine months. What does that tell us? Your words are a manifestation of what you believe. So his unbelief could have possibly aborted one of the greatest miracles that God ever wanted to give him in his life. That's why he said, death and life are in the power of your tongue, not my mouth. Say that again. Death and life are in the power of your tongue, not God's mouth. We've gotten somewhere this morning. And we said that humanity's dominion was to be defined by belief and action are their belief. And you were meant to create it to live a life of doing what you've never done before. Whether you realize it or not, everybody in this room is a pioneer. And we were created to be governed by wisdom. And I want you to see something here of the purity in the way Adam and Eve were created. Look at um, Genesis 2, verse 25, really interesting verse. And they were both naked. If you're from the South, you say naked. From the North, you say naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. One of the most tragic things ever to happen to the human race was the destroying of the purity in the way Adam and Eve were created. They had no concept of impurity, of uncleanliness. It is only until they believed the wrong thing that this corrupted the earth and corrupted the human race. Uh, number of years ago when the Lord, and here's a beautiful thing, in Christ, God has redeemed that to you. That's why I was saying that before. 
You can be redeemed of every evil, every thought process, every place where you've been bombarded with negative things, words. Jesus came to restore you to that better place. Salvation means promised land, spacious place, deliverance from sickness, disease, torment, forgiveness of sins. That's what salvation is. But there was a purity in the way they viewed the earth. And there's a purity that God invites his people into and a purity in a way of living. I'm amazed, I, honestly, I'm shocked sometimes at what some believers tell me they entertain themselves with. I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't have that much patience. I really don't. Like wrestling shows I can do for a few hours. <laughs> Some good ones recently. Really, I like wrestling. That's an American tradition. You know, I've had people, oh, this is a great movie. And I, two minutes into it, I said, there's a naked woman on there. How do you put that before your eyes? Anyway, some people, oh, that's old school. No, it's Bible. Bible, don't put those things in front of you. If you made a mistake, no shame, no blame, but these things should not be with God's people. Again, your heart was not meant to have two different appetites. It's really difficult to fully live in the strength of how God called you to live when you put these things in your heart. But uh, years ago, uh, when the Lord was teaching about this concept, I remember the Lord brought me back. He often bring, bring me back to things that happened in my childhood growing up. My mom is a woman who has no consciousness of certain things in society. Really, she's... She doesn't understand certain things. The only man she's ever had intimacy with is my dad. She's a holy woman. She's not perfect. She's got her own issues. We just talked about that too. We're a very straightforward family. Leanne saw, it's my fiance, she saw us talking for the first time. She said, why? She's thinking, why are you guys arguing? No, we're talking. We're, we're reasoning together. <laughs> this is healthy communication in our household. <laughs> it's very aggressive. Yes, it is. <laughs> One of the things I never had to get delivered of was passive aggressiveness. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Remember, sister walked, come down the, 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 the stairs. Mom would go, you going to wear that? Never had to wonder what my parents were thinking. It's a blessing of the Lord. Really, it is. I remember when I first got in the work environment, thinking, what is this person saying? I have no idea. What are they trying to say? It's like, well, I just, you know, I'm thinking, what are you, th like, what are you saying? 20 minutes in a meeting. What are they saying? You know, are, are they talking to me? Because I did that yesterday just feel like we could really all improve on this. And they're looking at you. I'm like, are you saying something to me? Because <laughs> I'm a man. We can take it outside and talk, you know. <laughs> That's how I grew up. No, I'm very serious. I know not everyone grew up that way. 
if, if you got something to say, just say it. Amen. <laughs> oh, really? I just never understood that. God help you if you grew up in a family like that, you know. There's probably lots of therapists making money off of you because you never knew what your parents actually thought, you know. You might have, I might have not liked what they said, but at least I knew what they thought. But my mom one time, these two gentlemen were living together, and she thought it was great that they were living together till they met their special someone. They weren't waiting for their special someone. But in my mind, you'll get it in a minute. In my mom's mind, she could never fathom something like that taking place. She had no knowledge of things like that. And the Lord just told me, he said, I want to teach you how to have knowledge of how to live like that in certain areas that they have no knowledge of evil things in the world. What's the first thing too that happens when they believe the wrong thing? They look at themselves. They're, they're shame now. Shame and guilt are characteristics of this world system. People regret things. You know, a really good place as a believer that you can get to is you don't have to regret anything even the mistakes you've made in your life, because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. He's redeemed you from that. He's redeemed you from every mistake. You don't have to live as a victim to it. So God came to restore that purity to us in the kingdom of God, in our place in God. 